0: Thank you, J.T. That was beautiful, just beautiful. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of John. Thank God for the Lamb. Amen. And He's worthy of our praise. Thank you for all the singing musicians this morning. Beautiful. Chapter 16, we're going through the Gospel of John verse by verse, and we're calling it a journey of faith. We come to the, the last message that I'm gonna give on Jesus message in the upper room now there's one more chapter but that's all a prayer Jesus is the one praying in chapter 17 we'll look at that starting next week but this is the end of the teaching preaching part of the upper room discourse I remind you it takes place the evening before the cross Uh, Jesus would go to the cross at nine o'clock in the morning uh, and this is what he's teaching his disciples uh, those, these last great truths for his followers before he goes to the cross. And in uh, these verses, we come right to the end of his message. Now, we're going to pick it up in verse 23 in just a moment, but I want to read verses uh, 26 and 27 to uh, get us started here. Look at verse 26. Jesus is speaking at that day ye shall ask in my name and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you for the Father himself loveth you because you have loved me and because and you have believed that I came out from God so he says the Father loveth you or loves you remember in the Greek there are two main words They're translated love in our English language. One is agape. It means that everlasting, unchanging love that God has for us that uh, always does what's best for us, God's love. Then there's that other word, phileo. And sometimes it's used of a a love for family, like a love of your children or or even love of mates, husband and wife and so forth. It means more. It's not as strong a word, but it's a beautiful word. It means to be fond of, to to really like someone. That's the word that's used here. So the truth that I want to set forth here just right at the very beginning is the Father likes you. The Father is fond of you. Because you love Jesus. That's the same word, by the way. You're fond and you really like and love Jesus. And you believe he came out from the Father. Because of that, the Father is fond of you. What a truth. Pray with me. Father, thank you for our time together now. Make it profitable, I pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful passage that Jesus taught to his disciples teach us today and remind us that you not only love us with an everlasting love but you are truly fond of us who are your followers in Christ's name amen amen in his book The Wisdom of Tenderness Brennan Manning tells the story of Edward Farrell he lived in Detroit and on one occasion he traveled to Ireland in Ireland he had an uncle who was celebrating his 80th birthday and so he went to that great celebration and was staying there with his uncle and on early one morning the uncle came to Edward woke him up and asked him if he wanted to go watch the sunrise with him and Edward said sure so he got up, got ready, it's still dark outside. They walk a, a good distance through a trail that came out at Lake Killarney. And there the 80-year-old uncle stood at the edge of the water and there was a clear view of the sun rising on the far side so that the sun came up, you'd see it across the water and so on and so forth. Edward says his uncle stood in silence for 20 minutes without saying a word or moving a muscle, and watched that sun rise across Lake Killarney. And then, after 20 minutes of silence, he began to praise the Lord, not in a loud way, but in a but in a beautiful way. He praised the Lord and thanked him for his creation and. And then he tur- and tears coming down his face. Then he turns and starts skipping away like a child would skip. And uh, so Edward was taken somewhat off, you know, uh, he was off guard. And so he watched him for a moment and then thought, well, I guess he's leaving. So he ran after him and followed him. And finally he called him and he said, Uncle, you seem really happy. Can you tell me about it? And he said... He said, yes, laddie. And with tears rolling down his face, he said, you see, my father is so fond of me. And then he said a second time, laddie, you see, me father is so very fond of me. And he skipped off. Crying and laughing and rejoicing in God's great love. I think if you and I can lay hold of this truth and really put it into practice, it will change the way we think of ourselves, the way we think of our relationship with the Father. And in this passage, of course, Jesus is talking about a new relationship with the Father. Back at your screen for a moment. Before you do that, though, I want you to do something for me. In your heart, not out loud, but in your heart, I want you to say to the, to the Lord, to the Father, say, my Father is fond of me. Just say it in your heart, in your mind. But say it distinctly. My Father is fond of me. Then say in your heart, my Father likes me. We just read it in the scripture. My Father likes me. Say it. And then one more. This one addressed to the Father himself. Say, thank you, Father, for being fond of me. Will you do that? Right where you are, very distinctively, but silently. Father, thank you for being so fond of me. One of the purposes Jesus is coming for, of course, the main purpose is the cross and redemption. But one of the purposes was to reveal the Father. If you look at your screen for a moment, <clears throat> in Matthew 11, just before Jesus gives those great words, uh, all you that labor and are heavy laden, come unto me. You'll find rest. Just before that Jesus says, at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, the intellectuals, those that see themselves wise. The truths of the gospel are hidden from them, but hast revealed them unto babes, unto people who will just be open to the truth. And then Jesus says, Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. Look at this. All things are delivered unto me, Jesus said, of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. The Lord Jesus wants to reveal the Father to us. And then... That's when he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And, of course, the rest of that beautiful passage that you're familiar with. Here Jesus is revealing the Father. He's talking about a new relationship that we will have with the Father after Pentecost. And, of course, Pentecost took place 2,000 years ago, so this is for us. This relationship we have with the Father in this church age. Also notice... Galatians, uh, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Notice the words that are underlined there. The Spirit. You know, that's part of it. If you tie all of this sermon together, the Holy Spirit has been an important part of the teaching here, and now He's teaching about our new relationship to the Father. And so the Spirit cries. In our hearts, He cries, Abba, Father. Now, what does the word Abba mean? Abba also can be translated, Father. But it was it's really a transliteration of what a baby would begin to call his father because it's easy to say. So it's not really a translation. It's a, it's a transliteration. So it's, it, it's put into our language in the sound that it would have in the Greek language. It's easy to say, Abba, Abba. Some, some people pronounce it Abba, Abba. It's easy to say. So the Spirit cries in us. Now, if we were to translate that word, it would translate Father, of course, but since it's the very first thing a baby would say, the best English word for it is probably Papa. Because that's easy to say, and, that's, and uh, sometimes uh, children call their father, Papa. So the Spirit in us cries out, Papa, Abba, Father. Back a few years ago, I was preaching on this passage, this very passage here on a Wednesday night. And uh, I suggested that you get alone with the Lord, the Father, and call him Papa. And uh, try that because it's biblically sound. And uh, someone after the service said, I could never do that. It just sounds disrespectful to me. But it is the Bible. And uh, we have the right and the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit in us, wants to cry through us, Papa, Abba, Father. And then one more verse here. And that is, From Romans 8. And you have not received the spirit of bondage again into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry Abba Father. So not only is the spirit crying that in our hearts. But we're supposed to cry it out ourselves. We're supposed to speak it out ourselves. He says we cry Abba Papa Father. Now one more thing to do with me for me I want you to pray again in your heart not out loud and I want you to pray papa father thank you for being so fond of me <laughs> papa it'll change the way we pray well that's right in the middle of this great text and kind of the pinnacle of this great text that we have here. And uh, I want us to back up now to verse 23 and let's take it. This is where we left off. And in that day, talking about what? After the, re- after the cross, after the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit... To establish the church age, the age of grace in which you and I live. In that day, in the day in which we're living, verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. I skipped over that first phrase. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. So again, you know, about a month ago, I told you about a professor I had in Bible college that... and we In chapel, we would have the greatest preachers from around the world come... At that time, that was in the Tennessee Temple's heyday. and They had people come in from all over the world to preach. And, and sometimes, pretty often really, the speaker would not only address the Father in prayer, but he would also address the Lord Jesus in prayer. And uh, I had a, one professor who, he just, that was his pet peeve, you know. And he would kind of rant and rave every time... A a preacher would do that in the class, and he would say, You're supposed to only pray to the Father uh, through the Son and by the Holy Spirit. And that was the formula, and that was just stuck in in his mind. And, of course, that is the New Testament formula. But it doesn't say we cannot pray to the Lord Jesus. Actually... Uh, we have biblical examples of that, and I talked about that last time, so I won't get into it. But I've often, I wondered if this is the passage that convinced him. Notice Jesus said, "In that day, now the church age, you will, you shall ask me nothing." Now, we use the word "ask" in, in some pretty extremely different ways. For instance, we might ask a man on the street or a woman on the street, we might say, what time is it? And we would be asking a question. What time is it? And if that person knew, they might tell us what time it is. But we would also use the word ask in a courtroom. If we were on trial and the judge was fixing to sentence us and he asked us if we had anything to say, we might say, judge, have mercy on me. We'd use that same word, ask. Ask for the time. Ask for mercy. But in the Greek, those would be two different words. Asking a question and asking a uh, petition. And there's two different words in verse 23. So look back at your screen for a moment. Let's think about this. First of all, let me just remind you of the relationships New relationship in this age to each other, to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord Jesus, to the world, and to the Father. Now, to that little word, ask, in verse 23. There's two different words used here. The first, uh, the first ask in verse 23, you see it, irateo. And it means the primary meaning of that word is to ask a question of an equal. You see the other references there. Remember when Jesus said, do you have any questions for me? They were to ask uh, questions. And and in verse 19 he says, you're not asking me where I'm going? That word ask is asking a question. And uh, so the first word... In verse 23, for ask means to ask a question of an equal. Now, how could they ask Jesus a question and use this word? Because they were certainly not equal. But in Jesus' humanity, he was standing right there with them, and they were asking him person to person. In that sense, in that sense alone were they equal, because he was in human flesh, and they were in human flesh, and they could commune in that way. But the second word, ask... Uh, is uh, Ateah, and it means to ask a request. You are asking f- for something of a superior. That would be, of course, like asking the judge for mercy. The first word is like asking uh, a, a stranger for the time of day. The second word is like asking a judge for mercy. And uh, But in the English language, we would use the word ask in both of those situations. But in the Greek, it would be two different words. And the Greek-speaking person would, of course, understand that. So when Jesus says, In that day you will ask me nothing, he means you'll ask me no questions. I won't be here any longer for you to ask me questions. But don't feel like you're, uh, you know, that you're, you're, you're without any help because the, you could ask the Father... You can petition the Father, and this is the word, to one who is uh, uh, supreme or superior to us. And you can ask in my name. And so, it doesn't say we cannot ask the Lord Jesus. By the way, over in chapter 14, where Jesus said we could ask him in that day, it's this second word. Because in the day where he's exalted to heaven and we can petition him, we're petitioning one who is superior to us. And uh, just as we would petition the Father. I think a good way to think about it is when you're talking to the Father, the Lord Jesus is always right there listening. And when you're talking to Jesus, the Father is always right there listening. And there's no jealousy between the members of the Godhead, the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit, of course, indwelling us is is encouraging us to pray and helping us and promoting us in our prayer. And so he says, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he he will give it you. Then he says, Hitherto, or before this, have ye asked nothing in my name, ask that you might receive that your joy may be full. Now again, you can't say... I think I would be happy if God gave me a million dollars tomorrow morning. And that'll make my joy full. Because we've got this little clause in there, In Jesus' name. And that has tremendous meaning. It's interesting, you see, He says, so far you haven't prayed in my name. They've been His disciples for three and a half years. But Jesus just taught them at the beginning of this message, which might have been, depending on how quickly he talked and what other things were said in between all of this, maybe a couple hours ago or just 15 minutes ago, in verse in chapter 14, he taught them to pray in his name. So here he says in the same sermon, you haven't done that yet, but uh, one day in that day you're going to be able to pray in my name. Let me remind you quickly what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Look back at your screen for a moment. To pray in Jesus' name means you're praying according to His merit and not our own merit, or worthiness. If you still have the idea that you can get something from God because you prayed loud or furious uh, or with great intellect and great beautiful flowery words that you're more likely to get something from God, then you still don't quite have in your mind a full understanding of grace. We, We come to the Father through the Lord Jesus. And we're answered on His merit, not our own. Sometimes people think that maybe they'll be heard more because they had a good day and they didn't, you know, they didn't get mean and... Talk mean to somebody or anything like that. I've had a pretty good day, so the Lord might hear me today. It doesn't matter if you added all of your best days together and multiplied them by a million. You still would not be worthy to come into the throne room of the universe. None of us are worthy. We're not worthy to get our prayers answered. Look at this reference. (coughs) Excuse me. Hebrews 10, 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Think about this. The, the, in the Jewish economy of the law, the high priest himself was the only one that could enter into the holiest or the holy of holies. And he could only do that one time a year. And he had to sprinkle blood when he came and he could only do it one time a year. The average, uh, the, the average everyday Jewish person could not go into that holy of holies. But now, but now you and I, just old common folk, just everyday dirt, you and I, because of what Jesus did, we can go into that holy place. <laughs> I went into that holy place this morning. And communed with the sovereign of the universe. But it was because of the blood. So we enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way. A new way. You couldn't do it before the cross. Which he hath consecrated for us. Through the veil. That is to say his flesh. Through his flesh given on the cross. You and I can come. Into the throne room of the universe. I don't know about you. That's pretty exciting stuff. And uh, and so we come because of his merit, not our own merit or worthiness. And then according to his will, his to pray in his name means we're praying for something that he wants, that he desires. And so we're praying according to his will. Pray for what he wants. Uh, 1 John 5, that reference there says, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. But it has to be according to His will. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of Him. What a beautiful promise when we're asking in the will of God. It always bothers me to hear people preach on prayer And they may not say this exactly, but they give you the idea the longer, the harder, even the louder you pray, the more likely you are to get your request. I love what George Mueller said. He said, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, it is laying hold of God's willingness. Some people pray like they want to change God's mind. Like they want to instruct God on what's the best thing to do. But praying in Jesus' name doesn't mean just tacking those words at the end of your prayer, though there's nothing wrong with that. It means praying according to His will. And then when we looked at it in chapter 14, let me just throw out two more thoughts quickly here. And that is, uh, we pray for that which glorifies the Father. That was in the... Chapter 14 text. And then uh, we pray from a heart that loves Jesus and is obeying his word. When those four things are together, we're praying in Jesus' name. But I want to narrow that down because it's hard to remember four principles. I want you to remember these two principles. So praying in Jesus' name is praying according to his merit and according to his will. Now we can include those other two in this second one. It's his will for the Father to be glorified. And uh, it's his will that we obey his word. That's praying in Jesus' name. Look at verse, oh, last part of verse 24, that your joy might be full. Again, you know, we might say if I had some earthly things, some better, richer earthly things, I might be happier. And maybe that's what Jesus means here, but I don't think so. Now, He supplies our physical needs as well. But I think the idea is here, you want joy? That's something God wants to give you. Pray for joy. And, uh, and when, you have a, when you have a fruitful prayer life, it will bring joy into your heart and life. Joy has been one of those reoccurring words for us. I've got to move quickly. Look at verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak to you in Proverbs, but I will show you plainly of the Father. Now, that time is going to be in the resurrection. Those 40 days, he's going to speak plainly of the Father. Uh, And now he uses Proverbs. You might say, well, what proverb? Proverbs can be translated symbols. What symbols did he use in this sermon? Remember, this sermon goes back to chapter 13. He used the symbol of washing each other's feet. It didn't mean literally washing each other's feet. You remember what it meant? It meant forgiving each other. He used the symbol of the Father's house, which we know, of course, is symbolic of heaven itself. And there's dwelling places there that the redeemed will have and then uh, he used the uh, term of the the symbol of the vine and the branches we're to abide in him and draw from him all that we need as a branch draws from the vine and then he used the symbol of a woman giving birth uh, just in this same chapter so those are the symbols or the proverbs he's used he's going to tell them a little more after his death and resurrection because so far they don't even understand that. And uh, having seen it and gone through it, they will be more open to his teaching. Now, Now that brings us to verse 26. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not that I will pray the Father for you. Now that doesn't negate the fact that there's one mediator between God and man, and there is, and that man is Christ Jesus. And he's the reason we can come to the Father. But Jesus doesn't want them or us to get the idea that the Father's hard to get along with, you know. And so Jesus will have to ask him on on our behalf and persuade the Father to do something that's best for us. That's the way Catholicism views Mary. It's like Jesus and the Father have too much to do and and don't have compassion, but Mary has great compassion for people. And therefore, if you pray to her, she can twist Jesus' arm a little bit because she is, quote, the mother of God, and uh, so forth. But Jesus doesn't want anybody to fall into that. I mean, not, <laughs> not the Mary thing at all. But even thinking that way of him, he wants you to know the Father himself loves you. He's fond of you. He wants what's best for you. And he will answer you himself. What a glorious truth. For the Father himself, verse 27, Love, loveth you because you have loved me and have believed that I come out from God. You believe who he says he is, the Messiah, God who came in the flesh. I come forth from the Father... And I am coming to the world. Again, I leave the world and go to my Father. He leaves the world by death. He goes to his Father by ascension. And he came into the world by the incarnation. So you have the incarnation. You have his sinless life. And you have his death and and his ascension. All in this verse. His disciples saith unto him. Let Let me see if i got time for this. Let me back up and just read one thing on love, a quote that I come across I really like by John Phillips. He says, It is love from the beginning to the end. Love conceived the plan of redemption. Love set it in motion. Love carried it through. Love flowing ever and eternally between God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Love embracing us, saving us, changing us, filling us. Flowing back from us in Christ through the Spirit to the Father. Love is the stuff of which eternity is made. I just love that quote. And then we come to verse twenty nine. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly and speaketh no proverbs. So they're saying, Now we understood that you're going you come from the Father, you're going back to the Father. Now, we are sure that thou knowest all things. They've watched him for three and a half years. They they know he knows what people are thinking. He knows what's going to happen in the future. He knows what's going on around the corner. He knows all things. And needeth not that any man should ask thee. But this we believe that thou comest. By this we believe that thou comest from God. coming forth from God. So they're saying we believe I think this was a very sincere and honest confession of their faith in Christ Jesus answered them do do you now believe? Behold the hour cometh, yea is now come and ye shall be scattered and every man to his own and shall leave me alone And yet, I am not alone, because the Father is with me. You may remember that when Jesus was arrested, all the disciples fled. And, uh, but John and Peter came back around after they had fled. And they came back to where the, uh, the events were taking place with Jesus. And that's where Peter denied the Lord three times. And then we see John was even at the cross, and so was Mary Magdalene, we're told. And Mary may have been in this group. In our little video we've been watching, they put Mary Magdalene at, the, at this sermon because she seemed to be with them through this whole thing. She was there at Pentecost. She was there at the cross. She was the first one Jesus appeared to in the resurrection. So they put her. When you see that woman's face in our video, that's Mary Magdalene Mary Magdalene was at the cross too but they all at this one time they all fled and left Jesus alone we all fail him don't we we do from time to time we fail him but he's full of love and compassion these things verse 33 these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace in the world you shall have tribulation, not maybe, you shall have uh, tribulation. Tribulation means troubles, trials, problems, burdens, heartaches, disappointments. You're, we're going to have those. But then notice what he says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Even though you're going to have trouble, this word, be of good cheer, could mean be cheerful. It could mean be courageous. It could mean, you could translate it, be encouraged. All of those things are in this word, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. The I there is emphatic, meaning uh, it's it's the emphasis in this sentence. And we, when we try to bring it over to English to understand it, we sometimes read it something like this. I, even I. Jesus said, I, even I, have overcome the world. And because of that, you and I can become overcomers if we learn to abide in him. So take heart, be courageous, for you are one with him, and in abiding with him, you can become an overcomer as well trouble's going to come by the way peace is not the absence of trouble peace is tranquility of soul in the midst of trouble that's the peace the Lord gives now we're going to watch our little clip this one only takes two minutes So let's watch it together. It may have happened something like this. By the way, there's some dramatic music at one place. You see soldiers marching. What they want you to see is while Jesus is talking to his disciples, other things are going on, stages being set for his arrest. And then you're going to see somebody leading a group of soldiers. That'll be Judas Iscariot. Let's watch.
1: Now you are sad, but I will see you again. And your hearts will be filled with gladness the kind of gladness that no one can take away from you when that day comes you will not ask me for anything i am telling you the truth the father will give you whatever you ask of him in my name until now you have not asked for anything in my name ask and you will receive so that your happiness may be complete have used figures of speech to tell you these things but the time will come when I will not use figures of speech but will speak to you plainly about the father when that day comes you will ask him in my name and I do not say that I will ask him in your behalf for the father himself loves you he loves you because you love me and have believed that I came from God I did come from the father and I came into the world and now I am leaving the world going to the father then his disciples said to him now you are speaking plainly without using figures of speech we know now that you know everything you do not need to have someone ask you questions this makes us believe that you came from God do you believe now the time is coming it is already here when all of you will be scattered each of you to your own home And I will be left all alone. But I am not really alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you this so that you will have peace by being united to me. The world will make you suffer. But be brave. I have defeated the world.
0: Pray with me. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being fond of us. And thank you for meeting all of our needs. Thank you for sending the Lord Jesus that he might die on the cross, that we might come not only to forgiveness and salvation, but that we might come into the throne room of the universe through that new and living way, through the blood. What a privilege. May we take advantage of that privilege, I pray each of us. Teach us.